Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. here today uh, talking about beginning again. It's a wonderful uh, topic for the beginning of the year as we think about how can we uh, reestablish some of the essentials of an abundant life. And so uh, while I give you a, a series summary, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. We'll be starting there. The title of my sermon today is Begin again, rediscovering the practice of seeking and sharing forgiveness. And so as we look back to where we've come from and where we're at and where we're going in this series, we know that having an abundant life begins with understanding God's purpose for our lives. That everything flows out of that. When we understand that God's purpose for our lives is to, to honor Him and to build good relationships both with Him and with others, everything flows out of that, including our choices, Okay. We saw in our second sermon how God gives us a choice, and with those choices come consequences. And so to have an abundant life this year, we have to make sure that we are making as many good choices as possible. Now, a choice is very much related to our faith. In fact, Paul says in Romans that if we don't make a choice with absolute conviction that what we are choosing is approved by God, then he says that is a sin for us. And so out of those choices comes our faith and our convictions about what we, what we do and what we don't do. And as far as faith is concerned, it's a very personal thing, okay? It's, I can't be responsible for your faith, nor can you be responsible for mine. Each one of us must take responsibility for our own faith, for our own choices and, and how we serve the Lord. And part of taking responsibility it's not only related to our faith, but also taking responsibility for the, those that the Lord entrusts under our care, like uh, for our spouses or our children or our grandchildren or people at work that we oversee or even here in the congregation or in the community. Taking responsibility helps not only us have an abundant life, but others as well. Anybody who disagrees with that, you, you can just think about or imagine or you might have experienced... Um, how difficult it is for you to have an abundant life when you have a leader that's irresponsible. It makes uh, it all the more difficult <laughs> on yourself. And so taking responsibility is very important. But having an abundant life is not all about just work or necessarily just about faith, but it's about laughing too. Okay? And people who have an abundant life laugh a lot, and they laugh not only when things are good, but when things are bad. Like last week, we looked at Sarah and how... You know, if, if she could do it all again, I'm sure she would tell each one of us to live those in-betweens really well. The times between getting a promise from God and seeing it fulfilled, live that time fully and laugh a lot knowing that, that your times are in His hands. And so we talk about the importance of laughter that week, this week, or last week, and that brings us to where we're at today. Because an abundant life is a life filled with many good relationships. Many good relationships. You see, it's not our possessions that make our lives abundant. It's not powerful positions. It's not an, uh, an abundance of pleasures and uh, fancy vacations and things like that. Um, it's our people. 
It's people that are involved in our life that make our lives abundant. You can have all those other things, and if you don't have good relationships with God or with other people, especially those in your critical, uh, your circle of, uh, of uh, critical relationships like your spouse or kids or at work or at church, then you don't really have much of anything, correct? And so when we talk about abundance, we talk about good relationships, and today we're looking at how do we maintain those good relationships because we're imperfect people, and we're going to step on each other's toes. We're going we're to upset each other. A lot of times I find that it's, it's uh, coincidental or it's a, just a misunderstanding. It's not necessarily intentional, but we do. We upset each other. And, and, and so how do we maintain those good relationships without things falling apart? Um, and that's where seeking, the practice of seeking and sharing forgiveness comes in. When I think about my own life and about the, the many good relationships that I have, um, I maintain them by doing this, by this practice. I think of like with the Lord, for, for instance, you know, when I make a mistake and I, 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 I choose something I shouldn't choose or do say something I shouldn't say or think something I shouldn't think and I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, oh, I am so sorry. You know, and that, that guilt and that comes on me and I kind of, I feel convicted about that. I'm like, oh, Lord, I, I apologize. And the wonderful thing about God is that when we come to him he's, and, he, and, he, and he sees that we're sincere, he forgives us. It's, it's so simple. And that's really the good news of the gospel, okay? Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, so whether it be with the Lord or, or with my wife and my kids, you know, as a husband or a father, I, maybe I, I, I run out of the house and I forget to make the bed, like I told you. Uh, by the way, I've been doing a lot better with that, okay? So I might have to say, Lord, uh, honey, I'm really sorry I didn't make the bed today. Or maybe I, I, I say something rude. Or maybe I'm impatient with my kids or, or something like that, you know. I have to go and apologize to them. Even as a parent, I apologize to my children when I make a parental mistake, okay. And I find, and this is a side note, it, for, with parents who have that practice and who have that security within, in themselves to be able to say, you know what, to their five-year-old daughter, you know what, I, I'm really sorry for being impatient with you. I shouldn't have hollered at you like that in that, in that time. Please forgive me. They will grow up with children who, especially when they hit teenagers and start thinking more like adults, they won't have that, you're not perfect and you've been acting perfect all these years type of attitude, you know, that, where that rebellion comes from. They'll see, well, my dad is a guy, you know, you know my mom is just, she's a, a lady doing her best, you know. And so it gives a little bit more understanding when we are strong enough to, as parents, say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, I made that mistake. I think about even at work, how the practice of seeking and sharing forgiveness has helped me. Just even recently, um, I, I happened to be in the restroom when they made an announcement for a meeting at work. And so I, I missed the announcement, I missed the meeting, and I found out about it later. And I, I felt so bad, I was actually embarrassed. I, was like, I went to my boss at the school and, and told her, I'm so sorry, I... I was in the restroom at the time, and I didn't, I didn't hear that announcement. Is there anything I need to do? And she said, oh, no, no problem. You know, she was very understanding. It was, they were giving away a Christmas present or something like that. It was very, you know, small, small, quick meeting. Um, but you know what? Had I not gone and apologized to her, she would have thought I was just skipping out, you know. And, and so I didn't want that to, to uh, be, the, be the case. And, and it, everything's good, you know. Um, so even in the congregation, you're going to find, I'm going to, uh, you know, have to apologize here and there because I might forget to text you back, 
you know, <laughs> might forget to, to do something. And that happened this week with the winter outreach. I was texting with somebody, and then it wasn't until the next day that I realized, you know, I didn't, I didn't get back to them. And so I texted back and said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't forget on purpose. I, I, just, I, I just missed it. You know, and, and she was so cool about it. And so I'm trying to give you several instances uh, uh, in my own life and, and try to jog in yours as well where the practice of seeking and sharing forgiveness is essential to just fixing, tweaking those, our most important relationships. It helps us maintain those good feelings uh, and just overcome some of the misunderstandings that we experience. Lynn Johnson once said, an apology is the super glue of life. It can repair just about anything. And I know that that's been true in my life, and I'm sure that you can give testimony of that as well. Even as followers of Christ, we know the power of an apology. It's, it's our apology to God, that initial apology, when we come to know the Lord and we make him the leader of our life and we say, Lord, I have, am aware that I have been sinning and, and I, um, I want to have a good relationship with you. And so I, I apologize. Please forgive me. And I put my faith in Christ. It's that initial, um, initial apology that restores our relationship with God and changes everything in our lives. How many of you have made that, that apology? And you've talked to the Lord about that. And you know how powerful that is. And that changes your life. And as I started thinking about it, I thought, you know what? It's so simple and so easy. And yet, when it is with other people, it's not quite as easy. It can be actually harder to work things out with other people than it is with God himself. And so, as we uh, look into the scriptures today, a couple of the questions I want to answer are, how do we seek and share forgiveness with those around us? What are some principles that can guide us when we're on either side of that situation? And so, we're going to look in Genesis chapter 32, and here we're going to read about Jacob and Esau. And we're going to see how Jacob sought forgiveness and how Esau shared forgiveness. And from their lives, we're going to get a couple principles for us to, uh, to apply. Okay? And so when we read this, what's important for us today is not so much how the conflict started, but how they resolved it. I find in, in, in when I'm helping people work through their conflicts that especially when it's been a long period of time, um, they're not really sure how it started. <laughs> you know, they're just upset with each other. They're upset that they're upset. Have you ever been there? Kind of upset. You don't really remember just how it got started or what you thought or what they said, but you just know you're bugged by them. And so for Jacob and Esau, we're not going to spend our time looking at how their conflict got started as much as how they resolved it. Just know that um, if you want to read about how it got started, go to Genesis tw chapter 25. And out of that conflict, they were estranged from each other for several years. Okay, they, they didn't talk, they didn't interact in any way. And so here in Genesis 32, we, we see how uh, Jacob is trying to make things right. Okay, so look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 3 with me. And would you stand just out of respect for God's word this morning? And as you're standing, let me remind you, if you don't have a Bible with you today, we have extra Bibles right over here on the side, and feel free to help yourself. If you don't have one at home, it's yours. Just keep it. It's a gift from Cornerstone Church. So let's read 32, 3 and 4, okay? 
Uh, then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, give this message to my master Esau, humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I've been living with Uncle Laban. Go to uh, 33.3. Turn the page. Read one more. 33.3. Okay. It says, Then Jacob went on ahead, and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Thanks so much for reading me. You can be seated. So how do we seek and share forgiveness? Well, let's look at Jacob, okay, how he sought forgiveness. The first step, if, if we are seeking forgiveness, Jacob's life shows us that we need to humble ourselves and apologize. See, we see here in, in 32, 3 and 4, we see him sending Esau humble greetings, okay? We also see him speak very respectfully to Esau. He calls himself Esau's servant, okay? And then in 33, 3, we see him bowing down to the ground seven times in front of his brother. I imagine he bowed down, took a step, bowed down, prostrated himself, and just kept repeating this. And he's, he's showing, okay, not just saying I'm sorry, but he's showing that he's sorry as well. His body language is matching the content of his communication. And so why is it important for us to humble ourselves and apologize when we're trying to seek forgiveness. Why is this the first step? Because apologizing is more than saying, I'm sorry. We have to show that we're sorry. That meaning our verbal communication has to be matched with some nonverbal communication in order for someone to believe that we're genuinely sorry about what we did. And without humility, there's just no way to do this. How many of you can tell when someone's faking an apology? You can just tell, right? They, they're saying they're sorry, but you can tell they're not really sorry. And it's, it's, how do you tell? It's in their body language or maybe even in their tone of voice. Most of what we communicate to others is in our body language. It, 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 there's just no way to hide uh, pride. There's no way to hide that unless you're a very, very good liar, Okay. And so without humbly acknowledging the wrong that we've done, uh, we're not really apologizing. I found a couple humorous examples of kids apologizing. I wanted to share them with you. And as you listen, I want you to see whether you can pick which one is sincere, which one is truly humble, okay? So here's the first of two. Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry. Because I try to feel sorry, but I don't. Liam. Okay? Here's the second one. Dear Owen, I'm sorry for karate chopping you in the privates. Doing that was wrong. Your friend, Eli. So was it the first or the second one? The second one. Hey, bud, I, I'm, bro, I'm really sorry I karate chopped you in the privates. I don't know what I was thinking. It just came over me. I know that hurts. You know, you can punch me back if you want. You know, and that sort of a thing. Yeah, definitely the second one. And so it takes, in order for someone to believe us, we have to humble ourselves when we apologize. And this sets the stage for the relationship to be restored. Let's look at the second step if we're seeking forgiveness. Go to uh, 32.4. 32.4. Jacob 
says, until now I've been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I've sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. Hoping that you'll be friendly to me. So our second step when we're seeking forgiveness is to express a desire to work things out. See, the last thing that Esau said to Jacob was that he was going to kill him as soon as he got the chance. Okay, so it's no wonder that Jacob says here, uh, I, I hope you, I hope, I'm hoping for, that you will be friendly to me. And so after humbling himself, Jacob expresses a desire to work things out and have a good relationship with Esau again. Now, through experience, we know that, that sometimes having a good relationship is possible and at other times it's not. Sometimes we offend people so much and that, that you know, it's, it's just enough that we don't kill each other right? <laughs> it's just enough to be in the same room without getting really upset. And so uh, at this point, uh, all Jacob could do was wait and see what Esau would do. And I think that the same is true for us when we seek forgiveness. There are going to be times when we seek forgiveness and we are going to just have to wait and see what they will do. Will they forgive us or will they remain upset with us? That's out of our hands, okay? We can't control other people, which is why Paul encourages us in Romans 12, 18, to do all that you can, all that you can to live with peace or in peace with everyone. Do your part. That's what Paul is saying. And they'll have to do theirs. It reminds me of a, of a story. There was um, a time when I, I had said and, and done some things to, to hurt someone and uh, a friend, you know, and I had never apologized for that. And, and a couple years had passed. And uh, I had always, every time I kind of saw them or thought of them, I'd kind of like, oh, man, yeah. But then it felt awkward because it's been a couple years. And should I go and bring it up again? I don't know. Well, one day we were at church. We, we still had went to the same church. And there was no one in the hallway. And we were coming past each other. And I just stopped. And I just said, hey, you know, I know this is really awkward. Um, but I, I'm really sorry for what I said to you and what I did and how I treated you, and um, that was really dumb and really wrong, and please forgive me. And you know what they said? They were like, you know what? No worries. I apologize. To, I, I'm sorry too, and they apologized for their contribution to the situation, and, and we work things out, and now you know, everything is cool. But both of us, I, what I learned from that is that both of us had been carrying around this weirdness for a couple years, you know? And all it took was five minutes. And me, one of us, I was the first person, I felt responsible for it primarily, to just say, I'm really sorry, I, I acted really poorly towards you. And everything was fine, you know? And our kids play together and hang out and all this stuff. And so, you know what? We have to do our part to live at peace with others. And when we do, all we can do sometimes is wait and see. And in that case, fortunately, they were just so ready to apologize too and just work things out. And so our first step when we're seeking forgiveness, humble ourselves and apologize and then express a desire to work things out. That's, what, that's all we can do when we're seeking forgiveness. Let, let's look at the other side. What if, what if we're being apologized to? How do we share forgiveness? Let's look at Esau's life. Go to uh, 32.6, please. Genesis 32.6. 
we read, after delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, we met your brother Esau and he is already on the way to meet you. So in sharing forgiveness, our first step is to accept the invitation to work things out. You know, when we get hurt, we're hurting. So it's only natural to try to like reciprocate that. And our, sometimes our only means to make people hurt, like we, we hurt, is to like make them sweat it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they want to meet up with us and they want to, and we kind of sense they want to apologize. And so we tell them we're like really busy, you know, and we want to delay the date. And we want to like make them, make them really, uh, really hurt for uh, what they did to us. But you know, when we look at Esau's life, we don't see him making Jacob wait at all. We see him coming right away. And Esau's immediate response, coupled with the emotions that he expresses uh, once he meets up with Jacob, makes me think that he was the one who was really, really excited to work things out. You know, I heard someone once say, in life, when you deny someone an apology, you will remember it at the time you beg forgiveness. In life, when you deny someone an apology, you will remember it at the time you beg forgiveness. Now, I think Esau had this in mind when he heard Jacob, uh, Jacob's humble greetings. And I, I wonder if he was rushing, riding as fast as he could to get to Jacob because he had been on the other side of this. If you know anything about Jacob and Esau's family, you know that their parents had favorites. And, and uh, Esau's mom... Uh, Rebecca loved Jacob far more, far, far more than she loved Esau. And so I'm sure there was some brokenness in their relationship as well. I, I, I can just imagine um, Esau trying to go to his mom and, and apologize for how things worked out between him and his brother. And her, his mom probably wanted nothing of it. You, you threatened to kill my favorite son and now he is not here. And, you know, I don't, don't talk to me. And on top of that, Esau picked some really, she, he picked a really annoying woman to be his wife, and it drove his mom crazy. And so, you know, you're just adding fuel to the fire, the, the Bible says. And so I, I wonder if he had been on the other side of that, and he just said, you know, I am not going to make my brother wait. I'm going to get there just as fast as I possibly can. And so I think that, that, that we need to take a lesson from that. And when somebody, we sense someone wants to apologize to us, let's not make them wait. Let's get there and, and get that process started because someday we're going to be on the other side and we're going to be the ones needing to apologize. And when we are, we're going to appreciate someone's, uh, uh, an opportunity, a prompt opportunity to do that. So we're talking about sharing forgiveness. The first step is to accept the invitation. Let's look at the second step. Go to... 33, verse 1. Genesis 33, verse 1. So then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. Go to verse 3. Then Jacob went on ahead, and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Verse 4. Then Esau, then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. They both wept. So if we're going to share forgiveness, our first step is to accept the invitation, but our second step is to open up. See, it's easy when we've been hurt to shut down and just not say or show how we really feel. Uh, and, but here we see Esau in tears about the situation. It's like, 
It's as if years of unspoken emotions just came flooding out all at once. And he just begins to sob and, and weep with his brother, just so, so happy and so excited to, to have that relationship again. You know, Robert Brault says, life becomes easier when we learn to, an, to accept an apology we've never got. Life becomes easier when we learn to accept apologies that we never get. And I think that was true in Esau's case. I, I believe, just based on his response here, his immediately rushing and, and embracing his brother, it makes me believe that he forgave Jacob a long time before Jacob actually, actually apologized. You know, and that was a really wise thing to do. And we would be very uh, wise as well to follow his example because Esau, you know, he didn't hold that grudge. He didn't carry that resentment and that bitterness around in his heart for all those years. I mean, anybody who's done that for even a little bit of time knows how it tears you up. It consumes your thinking and it makes it very difficult to carry on other, other functions of life and just add stress and a burden physically, you know. And so even though he was estranged from his brother and they hadn't talked in a long time, I think there was a point in his life where he just says, you know what, I've got to let this go. And he did. And so we see him opening up. And I, we need to do the same. As hard as it might be, we need to do the same because it's what the Lord wants us to do. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what should I do, you know, when someone offends me? And, and how many times should I forgive them? Should I forgive them seven times? And Peter's trying to be generous. He's thinking, man, somebody offends me and hurts me, and I would forgive them seven times? That's, that's a lot, you know? That's, that's being generous. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven, as if to say, forgive them as often as they sincerely apologize, because that is exactly what your heavenly Father does for you, Peter. And so for us... You know, when someone comes and apologizes to us and, and we sense they're sincere, Jesus is saying, because of this is how your heavenly Father treats us, we need to extend that same grace to others so that we can continue to receive that same grace from God. And so, um, let's open up and do our part to restore the relationship. So, how can we apply these principles? We've seen... First of all, we see two things from Jacob's life about how to seek forgiveness. We see that we need to humble ourselves and apologize. Um, and, we, and from Esau's side, we see him accepting the invitation and opening up. So how can we apply them? What are a couple things? Well, if you're on the side today of seeking forgiveness, you can bring a gift, okay? That's what you can do. Bring a gift when necessary. And if you're not sure if a gift is necessary, then bring one anyways, okay? Bring one anyways. Look at uh, Genesis 32, 19, please. Genesis 32, 19. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen and to all who followed behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. 
So the gifts were sent ahead while Jacob himself spent that night in the camp. So Jacob showed Esau he was sorry by sending the gifts ahead. And, and these, these gifts would have been valuable to Esau. Uh, they were livestock and, and very valuable. what your wealth was built on at the time. And if you read back in verse 13, you can see that, that Jacob sent several gifts. I mean, 200 goats, tw- uh, 20 male goats, uh, 20 ewes, 20 rams, or 200, excuse me, 200 goats, 200 ewes, uh, camels and cows and bulls and donkeys. And he sent all these animals ahead of him as a gift, which would have been a very expensive gift. And he's sending them ahead and trying to just get an audience with his brother, trying to appease him and calm him down perhaps. Because um, he didn't know what to expect. And so I think the same is true for you. If you're here and you, you, you need to seek uh, forgiveness from someone, bring a gift or send a gift ahead. Because what will the gift do for you? Proverbs 18.16 says that a gift can open doors. And in this case, Jacob's gift opened a door for a conversation with Esau. And the same will be true for you. Your gift will open that door with the person you've offended or hurt. It will soften their heart a little bit. And I understand that, you know, sometimes our gift, oftentimes, almost always, our, our gifts can't exactly make up for the hurt we've caused for other people, right? And so, uh, but even if that's true, it's important to match the offense, or excuse me, match our gift with the offense, okay? Um, if you say a crossword to your wife, um, you know, flowers might suffice, Okay? But if you key somebody's car, okay, flowers aren't going to cut it. You know, you got to get their car door repainted, you know what I mean? And so you've got to match your, match your gift to the situation. I heard someone once say, and I really love this quote, it's not how you make mistakes, but how you correct them that defines you. It's not, it's not if you make mistakes, it's how you correct them that defines you. And this is so true in the Christian life. I think this is one of the, the biggest myths about the Christian life is that, that people think that Christians or even Christians themselves think that they must be perfect and they must never, ever make a mistake. They must never, ever say a crossword or be impatient with their kids or forget to text somebody back. You know, they must never do any of those things. And that is not true. There's not a person alive that, that lives like that. And so, but what we do, what should define us is not how perfect we live, but how humbly we correct our mistakes and come to people and just be like, I am really sorry. Because naturally, naturally, people don't do that. Naturally, people have that pride and it's like, well, it's not my fault, it's your fault. And just tend to not acknowledge things. And so keep that in mind. Bring a gift. Make things right. Uh, what if you're on the other side? If you need to share forgiveness with somebody, then what can you do today? Well, it's very simple. Accept the gift and apology. It's, it sounds simpler than it is sometimes, but that's what you need to do. Look at 33.9. Flip the page again. 33.9. Esau says, My brother, I have plenty. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no. If I found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. So please take this gift I brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. 
And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Esau accepted Jacob's gift, and that, that finished restoring the relationship, at least initially. It, it brought some closure, okay? Esau didn't need the gift. He might not even wanted the gift, okay? But he finally accepted for Jacob's sake because accepting it brought, uh, it, it just allowed both of them to have some closure. It kind of finalized things for them. And so when someone comes to you and, and they bring you a gift to show you how sorry they are for what they've done, accept it. Because if you, if you don't accept it, you might create a whole new conflict. I mean, you, you might offend them again. And the, just the cycle would get worse, okay? And by doing so, it just brings a little bit of closure to that situation. But maybe you're saying like, well, what if I don't need the gift? What if I don't even like the gift? What do I do then? Well, uh, as someone once said, it is consoling to know that today's gifts are tomorrow's garage sales, right? Today's gifts are tomorrow's garage sales. So add the person back into your circle of friends and add their gift to your garage sale pile, okay? And just... Don't tell them about it and don't tell them when you have a garage sale, <laughs> you know, so they can't, hey, that's, that's still in the box. It's, you didn't even open that. Now you got a whole new, con- oh, conflict going on. Oh, you could sell it back to them, you know. Maybe they would like that. All right. Well, it, it's, I realize it. I, I, I hope you know I'm not trying to oversimplify things. I know that working things out is not always... Not always easy, and I'm, I'm primarily speaking about you know, these everyday, just relational things that come up, all right? How do we work through those things? And so uh, it, it, it can require some practice. And you know what practice means? Practice means trying, and trying means failing now and again. And so you and I, we cannot be afraid to practice seeking and sharing forgiveness. We have to look at failing as just another opportunity to practice. If we make a really bad apology, well, then we can just apologize for our bad apology, right? And we just keep practicing at it. We have to. We have no other recourse to mend our relationship. It's the only way that we can have a life, an abundant life, filled with many, many good relationships. So uh, how many of you tracking with me today? Tracking with me okay? All right. So in closing, let me remind us of one more thing. After we seek and share forgiveness, let's make sure we move on with life, okay? Like Jacob and Esau did. Will you go to 33.12? Look at 33.12 with me. And this is, I, I love this. As a guy, as a bro, I can totally identify with this, okay? Because they didn't linger very long. I mean, no, it, I know it says they embraced and, and they cried, you know? But I can't imagine that lasting for like more than two, three minutes at the most, you know? And they're... I don't know how long they cried, but you know what I mean? They're, they're weeping. They're, they're working it out, you know? They're opening up. But look what Esau says. He's like, well, let's get going. You know, <laughs> verse 12, let's, let's get going. I'll lead the way. That's so big brother of him, isn't it? I'll lead the way. Follow me. Okay, and then Jacob says, uh, I'll meet you later in verse 13. Esau says, verse 15, all right. So verse 16, Esau turns around and starts back home that same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on. He built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. And so, 
these guys, they had a major conflict. I mean, something that caused them to not even speak to each other for several years. And they worked it out, okay? And, and moved on with the rest of their lives. And so if they can move on, so can we. And more importantly, moving on with life is, not only do Jacob and Esau model this, but our Heavenly Father models this for us all the time, okay? Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. And so that's the gospel in a nutshell. If you want to tell somebody about the good news, why should you follow Christ? It's, it's right there. Because when you come, when we come to our Heavenly Father and just say, God, I, I am really sorry, and you're seeking forgiveness, God is so awesome, so loving, that he shares that forgiveness. I mean, he's, you're not even done with the apology, and he's already forgiven you. It's still, the words are still in your mouth. And he says, okay, it's done. It's like just that quick. That's how much our Heavenly Father loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't sit there and think about it. He doesn't sit there and just mull it over and let's, let's just kind of see and make you wait. It's before the words are even out of our mouths, he's forgiven us and just moving on. And he takes those and it's like, as far as the east is from the west, as if to say, they're, they're gone. They're so far removed from his memory that if you were to bring them up, he wouldn't know what you're talking about. And that is the amazing, amazing God that we serve. And so if that is his practice, then it should be ours too. And, and so I'm, I stand up here today saying, you know what, I, I'm trying to practice this myself. And, and I, I'm probably more on the, the other side of having to seek forgiveness far more than I have to, to share it um, just because I, I make mistakes. And I'm just so thankful that when I... Uh, can come to, to God, when I have to come to God or to my wife or to kids or other people at work or here in the church, that, that people are so willing to share it. I know that that, that means so much to me and I, I'm sure that that, uh, that means a lot to you as well. And so if there's someone listening today, whether you're here this morning or maybe online on the podcast and you would like to know how to seek forgiveness from our Heavenly Father, you would like to experience that, that, that cleansing that just occurs in your soul when you can release that, that guilt and you have that fresh start, just let me know. It would be my sincere privilege to show you how to do that. Let's uh, close our Bibles and let's pray today. Okay, let's pray today. Would you stand with me? Let's close our time in prayer. We're gonna, let's do two things here before we, or one thing before we pray, just pray out our sermon. Just would you quiet your heart real quick and just ask the Lord to speak to you, show you. If there's someone you need to seek or someone you need to share forgiveness with, just listen for a moment. Oh, God. If someone comes to your mind, I just, I want to encourage you today, don't carry that around with you anymore. Go work it out. 
go work it out. If you're on the seat side, or, then go humble yourself. If you're on the share side, then find them. Open up. Tell them how that made you feel. Father, we just come before you today and I thank you for the abundant life that you've given us. That, that it's even possible. God, that, that good relationships with you are, are possible. And that you don't make us jump through hoops anymore. That we don't have to follow a rigid set of rules in order to have a right relationship with you. That it's so easy now to, just to come and, and work things out. And so I, I pray that you would just let that, if anybody, if, if, if people remember anything said this morning, let, them, let that sink in, let them carry that away, that you are ready to forgive before the words are even out of our mouth. And Lord, I just pray for the strength, whether uh, we have to seek or share or when, it's not a matter of if, but when, God, when we have to do so, I pray let us do so like Jacob and Esau did. Let us do so like you do with us. Lord, let us, let us work things out that our life would be filled with abundant, abundantly, uh, just so many good relationships that we can't even keep track of them. Thank you so much for that, Lord. And now, God, I, I just pronounce a blessing over this congregation. Would you lift your hands this morning? I just pronounce a blessing over every, every person here and over their relationships. I pray over their the relationship with you that today, even as we sang, let, make us more aware of your presence. I pray right now, just begin to stir their hearts, God, to make them, their spirits more aware of your hand and your work in their lives, Lord, especially those who maybe feel forgotten or they're waiting for a promise, Lord. God, would you just let them know today, in the quietness, maybe it's right before they go to bed, whenever they quiet their hearts, would your presence just rush in? Just rush in. Let them know that you are with them. I pray over their marriages. I pray over their relationships with their kids. And I pray a blessing upon it. Lord God, just abundance, abundantly good relationships in their homes, Father. Any conflicts that need to be worked out, I'd speak to it right now. Make those, those relationships come together. In Jesus' name. And so we thank you so much for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you give somebody a handshake, high five, or a hug as you go out? And if you've got a hankering for cookies or donuts, why don't you check the snack table real quick? Thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.